to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor David takes a look at our identity. What does it mean to be the church? Let's listen. Well, we are starting a new mini-series today. It's just a two-week series that's titled Identity. Who are we? And today, week one, we're going to talk about who are we as a church? What does God want us to be as a church? And then week two, next week, we'll talk about who are we as individuals? Who does God want us to be individually as disciples? So church first, individuals second. Now, I want us to begin thinking about community. Think of all the different types of community you are part of right now. I bet a lot of you are part of of book clubs, maybe trivia groups, uh, maybe sports clubs. And really, as humans, we yearn for community, don't we? We try to make it in all different sorts of ways. I, I made community in a surprising place recently. Uh, my family and I were traveling back from Colorado, and we showed up to the Denver airport two hours before our flight, thinking that is plenty of time. But I can tell you, I have never seen a busier airport than when we showed up that morning. It was a zoo. Uh, To illustrate that, it took us an hour and a half simply to drop off our bags. It took us another hour and a half to get through security. Now, thankfully, our flight was delayed, so we did not miss our flight, although so many people did. But as we're sitting in this long security line, I'm looking around and just wondering, why? Why are all these people here? Why is the airport so backed up? And then I began noticing people that were dressed kind of the same. You know, dressed in the same t-shirts and and, and that sort of thing. And so I asked someone, what are you all from? And then I realized, ah, Taylor Swift was in town. (laughs) Taylor Swift was in Denver for two nights. And each night, we Googled later to learn, 75,000 people came to the concert each night, and they all then came on that Sunday morning to the airport at the same time. Well, I began asking questions, you know, how was the concert? And we quickly learned the person in front of us and behind us had been to the concert, and they started talking all about it, you know, their favorite songs, where they flew in from, how expensive their tickets were, all of that, but it, it went on from there. You know, we had an hour and a half together, And so it started with just talking about the concert, but then pretty soon we're just talking about our lives, where you're from, what do you do for a living. We started to form pretty authentic community. And I thought to myself, this is how we're wired. This is how God made us. As people, we want to form connections. And yes, we live in a more isolated world today, but we yearn for connection, don't we? We want to make community with one another even with random Taylor Swift fans in an airport line. Now, but today, I want to talk about one specific type of community, one that's meant to be different than any other group that you are a part of, and that's the community of the church. Yes, this church and all churches are designed by God to be a particular type of community that is unique from any other that you are a part of. And to understand how it is different, we're going to explore Paul's words. So Paul formed a church in Corinth, 
the Corinthian church. And he's writing to them because they're very early in their ministry, and they're learning how to be a church. They're learning who they are. And Paul is writing them this letter to really say this. This is who God wants you to be. But what I want you to do is I want you to imagine that Paul is writing these words to you today. To you as members of Unity Presbyterian Church, it's like Paul is saying, this is who you are meant to be. Okay, are you ready to hear these words? Here's how it begins. We're picking it up in chapter 12, verse 12. Paul says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Okay, that's actually a bit of a surprising statement. And it's surprising because of how it ends with Christ. If you follow Paul's logic, you would think that this statement would end with the church. With Paul making a statement about the church, saying, hey, even though there's many different parts of you in the church, many different individuals, when you all come together, you form one body. There's one purpose that brings us together as a church. But Paul doesn't say that. Paul says, so it is with Christ. Why does he do that? Well, he's actually giving you a sneak peek of how he's going to end this whole section. Because at the very end, he makes this statement. And it's a statement that we're probably very familiar with today, but to the Corinthian church, this would have been quite surprising. It's the statement that he says the church is actually the body of Christ. And so when he talks about Christ, he can talk about the church as almost being synonymous. Because he says the church should act as Christ acts in the world. So that's the first part when we're talking about identity, who we are as a church, that we need to start wrapping our minds around. That is, as a church, we are meant to be the body of Christ in the world. That means that we are an extension of any part of Christ's ministry that he did while he lived 2,000 years ago. We are to continue that today. It is as if Jesus was physically here, except in the form of the church. We are continuing his ministry. That means that the church does not exist to simply entertain people who come. It, it doesn't exist to simply make a person feel good. The church exists to continue the mission of Jesus. So if you're ever forced to move away and you have to find a new church, we're hoping that never happens. But if so, and you're wondering, okay, how do I know if this church is a good, healthy church or not? There's one test that you can give. Simply compare the actions of that church with the work of Christ. Is it doing the same things that Jesus did? Is it reaching the same people that Jesus reached? That really is your kind of diagnostic test for churches. So this is Paul's opening statement. The church is the body of Christ. But now he wants to get a little bit more specific of what this body looks like. And he's going to highlight two things that make it the body of Christ. One is its unity, and the other is its diversity. See if you can see these things in the next verses. He says, For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, 
And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Okay, do you see how he highlighted both unity and diversity? Uh, Let's start with the unity part. He says, all of us were baptized by one spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you were baptized as children, and others were baptized as teenagers or adults. Uh, Some of you were baptized with just a little sprinkling of water, and others may have been fully submersed under the water. Paul would say, none of that matters as much as the fact that one spirit was present participating in each and every one baptism. Yes, there is unity that the church has because the Holy Spirit is bringing us together for a common purpose. But there's also diversity. And the diversity means that we're not all the same. We've all come from different backgrounds, haven't we? In Paul's day, he lists two. He says some people who were coming to the Corinthian church, they came from a Jewish background. And others came from a Gentile background. He says some came and they were free. Others came and they were slaves. People come to this church, this church with one purpose, to be Christ in the world from many different backgrounds. Now, we could add to this list today, couldn't we? We could say, well, did you grow up in Denver? Or are you a transplant from somewhere else? We could say, are you a new Christian in your faith? Or have you been a Christian walking this journey for a very long time? We could say, are you a lifelong Presbyterian? Or do you come from a a different denominational background? There's great diversity in the backgrounds that we bring when we come to a church. And all of us, with these various backgrounds, make up one body the body of Christ. I believe that's the work of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit takes all these different people with different experiences and then molds them together and says, you now are going to be one, and you're going to use your unique gifts, the things that you bring to this church, and God pushes it all together and says, now you act as a church, one church, one body in the world. Yes, there is great diversity in our backgrounds, and great unity in our purposes. Now, Paul wants to explore this truth in greater detail, and so he has a little bit of a lengthy analogy. I want to read it in full um, because I think it's very helpful. Here's what he says, again, keeping with the body analogy. He says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Again, meaning like, I don't belong to the church. It would not be for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. We could say there are many diverse backgrounds of people 
but there is one church, one body of Christ. So the analogy, I think it's pretty easy to follow. He says a body functions when it's functioning as it's designed to, with the different body parts fulfilling their purposes. So when your eyes are seeing, when your mouth is able to speak, when your feet are working and you're able to walk, you know that your body is healthy and working well. And so it is with the church. The church functions as it's designed when all the different people who come to the church use their different backgrounds for the good of the church. They don't use their different backgrounds as a way to say, I'm different from one another, and so therefore I'm going to be divided from one another. But they say, oh, you're different, so you have different gifts that you can bring to the body of Christ. So if we're all different, and if we're bringing these gifts to serve as a part of Christ's body, then I want us to think for a second, what was it that Christ truly did while he was on earth? Because if we're the body of Christ, we need to be doing those very same things. So think for a second, if someone came up to you and said, okay, what were some of the the main things that Jesus did while on earth, what would pop into your head right away? I did this exercise earlier, and I came up with six categories very quickly. Now, these are not all-encompassing categories. I know I'm missing things, but it's a start to get you thinking of the things that Jesus did while Jesus was on earth. So here's the first thing I thought of. Jesus taught, right? He taught often, and he taught about God, who God was, and how to live as a follower of God. So teaching would be one of the ministries of Jesus that the church has to continue. He also healed, didn't he? He healed the brokenness in this world. Healing should be one of the ministries of the church. Jesus forgave sin, and he repaired relationships. And so reconciliation should be the work of the church. Jesus brought justice into the world. He brought justice to the vulnerable, those who were oppressed and overlooked. The work of justice should be the work of the church. He created authentic community wherever he went. Forming community is the work of the church. And finally, he was an example of how to fully live a life of worship to God. Worship is the work of the church. If we are the body of Christ, then we need to be engaging in all six of these areas. But no one person can truly be effective in all six of these. I mean, we are not Jesus after all. And that's why I think beautiful things happen when you bring your gifts, when you bring your unique talents and abilities to the church and apply them to one of these categories. Some of you, for example, are teachers, right? You have a natural giftedness in the ability to teach others. I see that when you teach our children in Sunday school. I see that when you teach our adults in Bible study. And then some of you would never be caught dead in front of a group of people saying, that's not my skill set, because we all bring different skills to the church. But because some of us are, are teachers, the teaching ministry of Jesus continues. Some of you, I believe, are healers. I add our Stephen ministers in this category. 
because it's healing work that they do with those who are needing that care. I add our congregational care team as a part of this ministry as they minister to the sick and the hurting. That is healing ministry. Some of you, I know, go out of your way to repair relationships. Reconciliation is important to you. That's the work that you are about. Some of you, I think, seek justice in this world. Uh, I would see the many, many different mission opportunities in this church as an example of that, from supporting Hesed House, the only homeless shelter in Lincoln County, to the care of refugees right next door in our manse. Some of you utilize this beautiful fellowship hall to create authentic community within this church. Through meals and shared fellowship, people grow closer together. And finally, some of you lead us into worship, as Mackenzie and Jeff have done today, reminding us of the presence of God and our need to direct all praise and honor to God. I say it again. No one person will do all six of these things, and that is by design. But the body of Christ needs all different body parts working in unison to accomplish the purposes of Christ. So what is your category? If you were to pick one of these, how do you think you would partner with the church to continue the work of Christ? I want you to begin to see yourself as a part of something that's larger than just yourself as an individual. That can be hard to do, because in the world that we live in today, it's very different than when Paul wrote. We live in a very individualistic society, where faith becomes very private and personal. And we'll get to that next week about how to really live the individual life of faith. But what I hope you're seeing today is that you're not only an individual. You are part of something greater than just yourself. You are part of a body of Christ that is meant to continue these ministries that are essential to what the world needs today. It's so essential that we skip ahead a couple of verses to verse 26 when Paul speaks of of what life really feels like when you are a full part of this community. He says, if one part suffers... Every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. What a beautiful way to describe the church. I mean, what Paul is saying is that this is a place where we celebrate with each other. Think about it. When a child or grandchild is born, uh, we will put up a picture on the screen and we will say, thanks be to God, because we are celebrating together with the body of Christ. When a student graduates, we have cake, don't we? When a student goes into third grade or fifth or sixth grade, we mark that as something important in their life and in their spiritual life. When a person celebrates an anniversary or a particular birthday, we will often have flowers to recognize that person. Yes, if one part is honored, we all rejoice together. But there's the flip side of that as well. We also mourn together, don't we? And we show up at funerals of those who have passed from this community to honor them and show how much we love them. When someone receives a 
a tough diagnosis, or a really challenging news, we suffer with them, don't we? Yes, we go through the ups and downs of life together. And this is the beauty of the community of the church, specifically designed and created by God. Now, I think these last words of Paul, the ones that he hinted at earlier, are for you today. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You might say, oh, I don't know. I feel a little disconnected. I don't really know if this is what God wants. No, you are a part of the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is the great honor that we get to have as Christians. We get to say, I get to be a part of what God is doing in the world, forming his body to go and then be that source of love and justice and outreach into the world. Each one of you is included. Yes, you get to be a part of living out Jesus' purposes in the world. You get to be a part of celebrating and mourning alongside the family of faith. You are an essential member of the church of Jesus Christ. So as we begin this new year, and as we're thinking, I mean, school starting, eventually cooler weather will come, you know, we're looking at those transition moments. As we're starting this new time of year, my encouragement for you is to bring your unique gifts. Bring your various backgrounds and offer it to God by saying, I'm going to contribute to the church of Jesus Christ and to the mission that you have called us all to. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.